Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guide books. So tell me your experience with like surprise trips or sort of rapid changes of itinerary. Have you had adventures like that that have just sort of like turned on a dime kind of or just things that like, wow, I have the time to do this. We certainly have had things like that happen Mm -hmm. to us. I told this story on a couple of episodes back. One time it snowed in Mississippi and my dad had access to a cabin that Mm -hmm. had a hill. So we were able to like go there. Mm hmm. And it was like he wanted to capitalize on the fact that it was snowing and like, let's go to have a cabin experience. And we were able to like kind of do that Mm -hmm. like real quick. Yeah. Because, you know, school closed for a week. It was like the inch of snow closed school. Not even (laughs) half an inch of snow. Right. But yeah, unprecedented Mm -hmm. for snow in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. It still is. Mm -hmm. One time my dad picked me up from like summer camp and was like, hey, you want to go to Atlanta like tonight? (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, okay. And he was like, I've already called your mom. We've already talked about it. We have already packed a bag. Like, I already have a bag packed. Okay. Now, at that time, I do remember being like, you know, like nine or 10 or something. And I was like, oh my God, but I have to say bye to mom before we leave, right? right. My parents were divorced at the time, but still very good friends. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, we made that happen. And yeah. then I went over what was in the bag that she had packed for me because I was like, I have to make sure that I, this is all approved. <laughs> so, <laughs> Of course. So now as an adult, I definitely roll with the punches a little better than I did when I was younger. Mm-hmm. That so, makes sense. What about you? When I was a kid... When I was like in first grade, one set of my grandparents lived in Florida. In school, we had a February break every year. Like it was like a week long in February. What? Jealous. Yeah. It was just like, I think at the time in like the 70s when the energy crisis was really big, that was like a way for schools to save money by like shutting school. And they just sort of kept it up. Interesting. It just meant we got out later though. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it was kind of like a nice break to have. But I just remember being really young and my parents are like, okay, we're packing the bag and we're just driving to Florida. 
Like we just drove like out of nowhere. It was sort of like, great. We ended up staying with my grandparents. It was the first time that I went to Disney. Like I was really, really young. I do remember that. I remember staying up to see the south of the border signs like on the drive down because we just drove straight through the night kind of to Florida. Right. So that was like definitely a really big surprise. I mean, there was this one time where um, I was with a friend and they were like, we're going somewhere. And I was like, oh, great. And then we ended up at Best Buy and I thought we were going to go to a fun store. (laughs) (laughs) You love that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was great. Um, Okay, we need to explain why this happened. (laughs) All right. This may or may not have been me driving. It was him. (laughs) And um, we had just gone on a hike Mm -hmm. in, we just done Sunrise Mountain in New Jersey. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is um, on the Appalachian Trail. You, sir, have a cellular device that Mm -hmm. you do not have any protection Mm -hmm. around. And my Capricorn brain is like, I know how much money you pay for that. I know how much it costs. And I know how much it costs to replace it. Mm -hmm. So one little snafu any at any point along the way and you're in a crisis mode mm-hmm. and then you're like no i can't scroll through the news mm-hmm. that is would be your life see how my funny story that called him out <laughs> turned into him defending himself and like poking fun at me oh, this well. is our relationship everyone mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's our show <laughs> and no but i got in the car and we were headed back to my place but I was like... You drove past it. I drove past it, and you were like, oh, this is a weird way to go. And I was like, yeah, I just have to go this weird way. And I drove all the way to Best Buy. And along the way, you figured out that we weren't going to my house. You were like, where are we going? And I was like, we just... I have to make a stop. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you're going to go into the store, (laughs) and you're going to buy a phone cover. Um, And while we were in the store, you determined that the phone covers were too expensive, which I understand. Totally. And you ordered one offline. Which still hasn't come. And it still hasn't come. So I think that's just the universe being like, he didn't need the phone cover. That is not true. That's the universe saying sometimes ordering things online are not dependable. Looking for adventure, I want to follow on the trail Or get a little lost and let the wind fill my sails Get up when the stars still fill the sky, don't wake the sun There's so much to be done, and the day has just begun Go where the postcards are real, you can feel You can open your eyes, and open your heart when you get at the National Park. Follow you, I'll follow you there. At the National Park. At the National Park. Follow you, I'll follow you there. For the record, I was being a good friend. Sure, we'll go with that. Uh, yeah, I was. Okay. I'm concerned. I'm still concerned about your phone, and I'm looking at it right now mm-hmm. without a case on it. Oh, and we're recording. <laughs> oh, okay. So on our first trip, which was a trip that involved Zion, Bryce Canyon, Arches, Canyonlands, and ultimately the Grand Canyon, we found ourselves with a little bit of extra time 
from leaving the Canyonlands Arches Moab area and heading to Flagstaff, where we would eventually then launch our journey towards the Grand Canyon. And so we kind of like started to look and see, you know, what could we do? What were possibilities? It's like as we were in Arches, um, we were really trying to figure out what we could kind of fill that day with. And we thought maybe we could go back to Canyonlands and try to explore a little bit more of Canyonlands. Or do the needle section. Or do the needle section, which is a drive-in. It's like a 45-minute to an hour drive, I think, off the highway. Oh, or more. Yeah. I think it's more than that. I think that. it's like an hour and a half, And it was going to be like, it's going to add like four hours to right. our day. Yeah. And we just kind of were like, we're not into that. Yeah. We looked into driving to Sedona and spending the day in Sedona and exploring that, but we kind of were like, I don't think that's going to like give it enough time to do it justice. No. So and we didn't want to just like literally wave at Sedona. No, we no. wanted to spend time in Sedona. So we kind of like, oh, well, let's see if there's any other NPS sites around and if there's any other like parks we could maybe see while we're out here. And lo and behold, Petrified Forest and Painted Desert were sort of on our way to where we were headed. The last night we had spent in Moab, we'd had dinner with these women who refer to themselves as the hiking mamas. Mm-hmm. We've talked about them before. We adore them. They're from Canada. We met them while hiking the Devil's Garden yep. trail. They had also mentioned that the Painted Desert and Petrified Forest was basically between where we were right. and the Grand Canyon. And right. they were like, oh, it's really easy. And like you could do it kind of in one swoop. Yeah, It would kind of be perfect for your trip on the way to Grand Canyon. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of what we decided upon. I think we probably went back and we finished Big Little Lies because that was like the hot ticket item. That's right. At that time of the year. And you were feeling all the vindication because you called everything by the end of episode two. Right. You were like, this is what's going to happen. And I was like, no way, no way. And then... It did. And I was like, <laughs> you're a sorcerer. I am a sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Yes. This was the Airbnb we stayed in that had like the binder full of rules, mm-hmm. which I loved, but it also had the shared bathroom situation. Lots of shared bathroom situation. And that was the thing I did not love. Mm-mm. It took one time, literally having to like hover in the living room for 25 minutes waiting for somebody to finish up. For me to be like, no, we can't do this again. <laughs> Sorry about it. And every <laughs> every trip since, it's, well, is there a shared bathroom or is it a single bathroom? And <laughs> I, the answer is always single bathroom. So yeah, we got up pretty early that next morning on our way out. And I'm pretty sure this is like when we hit McDonald's on the way out. Mm-hmm. And also the first time we saw the Hole in the Rock monument. Oh, which yeah. Is, or the Hole in the Rock like roadside attraction. It's not a monument necessarily. Right. Well, we talked about this a few episodes back, but this is sort of like this hokey sort of roadside attraction um, right. that you can't miss when driving out of Moab. Can't miss yeah. it. It's right there. Yeah. Um, and this was driving south out of Moab because yes. we'd come in n- from the north. Now we were headed out of the south. And we came on. in from like the west, uh, the northwest. Well, it was yeah. the, the north road that led yeah. into Moab. Yeah. Right, right. But we came in from the west mm-hmm. and then started driving south and that brought us into Moab and then we headed out of Mm -hmm. the south end of Moab. The drive in Utah was just every turn is spectacularly beautiful, right? Like there's just so much terrain. Mm -hmm. Suddenly you're like on top of a mesa driving, then like you're like coming down off of a mesa and it's like nerve wracking and it's like there are so many beautiful 
things to see in Utah. I just felt like I was in a Mercedes commercial and John Hamm was married. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yep. But the drive from Moab to the Painted Desert and Petrified Forest was a different experience. I felt this was more akin to like the sort of desert driving experience you see in like Hollywood films mm. where it's like this is a long road on a flat desert mm-hmm. with like things in the distance, but nothing very close. Right. And like a lot of shrub brushery, not much else. It felt very, very desolate. Like I just remember leaving like Zion and driving to Bryce or even Bryce driving across the state to Moab. And I just remember there being, like you said, so much to see. And this was definitely not one of those drives, um, but that's okay. So, Eventually, we do make our way to the Painted Desert National Monument. Now, Painted Desert National Monument and the Petrified Forest are basically like overlapping parts of the NPS, essentially. They are connected yeah, um, by the park road. They're managed by one team of people. Right. And so they are one place. Right. Before we go any further, we'd like to acknowledge that while we were in the petrified forest and painted desert that we were on the traditional and stolen lands of the Hopi, Zuni, Pueblo, and Western Apache people. Now, um, the the monument and the park itself were established at different times. Um, painted Desert National Monument was established later, um, June 24th, 1976. So she is a Leo. <laughs> June 24th? I'm sorry. She is a cancer. She's a cancer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cancer day. Yeah. It's a cancer day. Sorry. I was thinking July. Petrified Forest was established as a national monument. December 8th, 1906, it was made a national park. December 9th, 1962. Oh, so she's a double Sag. So, yeah. Right, great. So, um, the park itself and both the monument and the park are, are really great for basically viewing. Like, it is a park yes. to mm-hmm. go to see. Right. Like, there are hikes. There are. But they are short they're, you're not going to get a lot of footwork in necessarily. They are a park to... Ex- this is an experience park. It's yeah. one of those like national parks that is very much so like go to experience it and live it. Like it yeah. is it is a special sort of breathtaking. Right. Right. And I think for us, this was so different from the parks that we had seen so far. Totally different. You know, this was our first trip to national parks. Mm-hmm. And we had been used to this. Like high intensity. I mean, I guess, yes, high intensity. But Hiking certainly terrain, <laughs> terrain that was like full of trails, mm-hmm. terrain that you can see a lot of, cover a lot of ground, and really immerse yourself inside of a canyon or immerse yourself inside of a, on top of a mesa. That's what we had seen. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so this was totally it was. a new experience. And it was definitely like kind of, I think after all of the, the heavy footwork we had done over the last few days this was sort of like a oh this is kind of like a nice respite and it was it was definitely like a a treat in between everything and like towards the end so when we drive in we stop at the painted desert visitor center um after we go through the entrance station and at the entrance station we talk to the ranger there are a lot of signs about not taking anything with you from the national park and to add on to that you're not ever supposed to right. take anything with you from the national park. 
Right. It's essentially sacred space. Yes. That you never take anything from. Yes. But that is particularly important here when we're dealing with petrified wood. Yes. At the National Monument Visitor Center, we basically get our park badges. It's a big building. It felt very like 1960s, 1950s sort of like architecture. Um, I was here for it. It was very mid-century modern. Mm -hmm. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and we also get a little bit of information. This is where we get our map and, and the rangers are able to say, hey, you should do these things and you can make a day of it. And honestly, this is a park that you can firmly do in a day. Oh. Like both the monument and the half park. Half a day. We didn't even you, spend half a day there. No, but I'm just saying it's something that you can definitely experience it all in one sort of go. Yeah, th- I don't feel like there's any necessarily a need to go to paint a desert one day and the Mediterranean no, forest another day. No. They're literally on the same road. Right, the and park road. you can see everything in one day. Yes. We basically, after you drive in, you sort of immediately cross historic Route 66. And we do that again a little bit later. And the first thing that you do, or the first thing that we did, was we arrived at the Painted Desert Inn. The Painted Desert Inn is an inn that dates from the 1920s that's on the park road. It houses a former shop and restaurant and inn that are there. And it's part of the historic monument of the Painted Desert. It is very much so built in like a Pueblo style. So I just remember walking into it, like you're able to kind of walk in and through all the way to the back where like the bar is and then out onto this like patio that has like log trellis above it and it's this kind of like adobe brick style of architecture but this is where like the money is honey this is where you see the incredible views like yes the painted desert is breathtaking i the one regret i have is that we didn't really see it at sunset because i'm sure it's like that is when it is incredibly alive and even more vibrant than it was when we saw it I mean, it's called the Painted Desert for a number of reasons. There are a lot of colors happening all over the landscape of this like beautiful terrain that you're looking at. And there are so many gorgeous striations in the rock. And you can see rock that extends to thousands of years old, Mm -hmm. like all just right in front of you. And that was something that I felt like this entire park really gave you was a look at things that have been around since Pangea. And they talk about that a lot in in all of the various... Um, literature? Literature that's published for you to read, you know, all the placards. Because it's like, you're looking at this thing that was here before scientists believe that the land on this planet split apart. Mm. I was living for that. <laughs> Dano DNA. Exactly. <laughs> There is a short trail here that you can do from the inn, um, and it's the Painted Desert Rim Trail. And it basically goes from Kachina Point to Tawa Point, which is sort of right there in front of the inn. It's a short trail. It's only about a mile long round trip, so it's really not that long. No. I think it was like, all right, we didn't bring our bag or anything because we knew it was short. I think I kept on my sneakers for this. Yeah, we were able to just get more views. It is like the thing about looking out at the painted desert from the end. It's a big swath of like, there's really no obstruction. You can see everything from that end, yes. like from a basically like 180 degree turn. Essentially. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I remember feeling like when we were 
coming from where we had parked because we parked near Kachina Point, walk along that trail to Tawa Point, as you said, mm-hmm. and that is where the end is. Mm-hmm. And I felt like from where we were at the start, it was like, oh, I can see it there. Yeah. I can see the Painted Desert out there. And then when we got to Tawa Point, that's where like the the full view of everything is. Mm-hmm. And you can't get the full view from where you start at Kachina Point. But I mean, you still see a ton. Like, a it ton is, of it, but yes. Yes, it is expansive. There are some other viewpoints. Like if you drive out and around, there are a few other viewpoints on the way down into Petrified Forest. Like before you cross Route 66 again, you have to also cross the highway, which is interesting <laughs> um, that that sort of runs through the park. You do see a bunch of those like overlooks. But honestly, this was also you could see from the car and it was sort of like the beauty of it. You didn't need to necessarily get out for too. Yeah, you can definitely see it from the road in the car where you are. After we left the Painted Desert Inn, we kind of moseyed on down into the Petrified Forest. And with that, let's take our first break. Let's play Commission an Album. Great. This is a game we also haven't played in quite some time. I know. What is our topic for today? So since this is the last full-length episode of the year, we're going to play Commission an Album, where you have to commission an artist to write an album about your personal 2020 experience. So you have to name the artist and the title of the album. Okay. Obviously, I like have a register of like (laughs) my folk artists that I just consistently go to for this game. But um, someone that I have recently discovered who I introduced you to who I've fallen in love with is Maggie Rogers. Um, oh, that's fairy. I love her. Mm-hmm. And by fairy, I mean like ethereal, ethereal can see through yeah. like, what is this consciousness? Mm-hmm. So I feel like Maggie Rogers would be my pick for the album. Thinking in the register of like strong female vocalists and, you know, our friends at Lake Street Dive and oh, yeah. also Tedeschi Trucks Band, who I just recently introduced you to as well. But I, I think I'm going to go with Maggie. Um, and I feel like the album would be called From the Inside Out. Obviously, we, we all went through quarantining and We're kind still of very much so, there yes, in many ways. Yes. I'm sorry. Not to not to by any way means dismiss that. But we all went through the initial fear and quarantining that happened in the spring and the lockdowns. And I feel like that gave people a lot of time to really perseverate and think about a lot. You know, people did a lot of things. People had workout routines that they started. People took up new hobbies. I do feel like it was a time for me to be very reflective on things and who I was as a person and and what I really, really was looking forward to in the future it's also like a period of time where like I use my mental, I aided my mental well-being by starting a running routine, which I had never really done before. That also gave me a lot of time to think on runs. So it was definitely like a deep thought process, sort of springtime and sort of year, even up until this point. And I think it just is like really made me look at what's important and look at how the world operates and how we can do better. Therefore, from the inside out um, is a great title because... It, it's all about really analyzing who I am and, and kind of like what I want and putting those practices in place that I feel are more helpful to me um, now. And I feel like that's something I'm still working on, which is why I think it's 
it's a process that will obviously continue. And I feel like it's a great way to close the year out. What about you? How beautifully put. I really connect with a lot of what you said. And a lot of that is also going to show up in my answer. I definitely had an experience that took me back to myself uh, during this time. I had been spending a lot of time accommodating and managing other people's version of me. And I definitely took this time to go like, no, I'm going to get back to me now. And that has been one of the best choices I've ever made for myself. I also had like an inside out experience. I'm going to choose the Indigo Girls because... I love them and their voices take me back to a place that feels very rooted Mm -hmm. and a place that feels like, okay, it's voices and guitars and harmonies. Mm -hmm. And so like those things I love and those things like, I just feel like are so foundational. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the title would be these four walls because one, I mean, yeah, I did feel like I was just like in a room alone for so much of this. That's also connects to, you know, personal walls I had up, walls that I wanted to take down, walls that had Mm -hmm. been built for certain reasons. And I feel like I have a new relationship to the walls in my life. And that comes from this time I spent coming back to myself. So Mm -hmm. that is why I would call it these four walls. Great. Here's to a better, brighter. Let's hope. And if album it's version not, of 2021. Right. <laughs> then we gotta we gotta make it better for each other. That's true. We do. Right. The painted desert is behind us now. Yep. We're on the park road. And we're on the park road headed in the direction of the petrified forest. Mm-hmm. And the first stop that we make is the Puerco Pueblo, which was a village community on the Pueblo that still has some remains. They're like very low walls that are remaining. It's kind of like a footprint of the structure, essentially. At its largest size, which was around probably 1300 ACE, the Pueblo may have been able to house about 200 people. It was only a one-story high village of hand-shaped sandstone blocks that was basically built around a rectangular plaza. And there were some underground rooms here, just like in Mesa Verde, called kivas, where it's believed that ceremonial practices took place, but kivas are also believed to have been used for other purposes as well. And just like the people of Mesa Verde, climate change and drought was likely a contributor towards their eventual leaving of this site um, sometime in the late 1300s. And all this information is coming to you from nps.org. So we got out of the car at this point. We walked around. We could see like the, the remains of the Puerco Pueblo are not that high. You can see mm-hmm. the outlines of some of the rooms. You can walk right up to them. And that was Essentially, yeah. very special that yes. they're preserved, that we can go there and see the work of these people from so long ago. I think, you know, having done arches where we were able to hike a decent trail there, uh, like a long trail, um, but also knowing that a lot of the the points of interest, a lot of the arches were kind of just a okay, get out of the car and like hike this a little bit, see the thing, get back in the car and move on to the next one. I think we were sort of prepared for this stop and and like how stops like this might work within the park. Yeah. After seeing the Puerco Pueblo and seeing that some of the rooms were referred to as kivas, it made me think of the story that I know very well, the story of Arrow to the Sun, Mm -hmm. which is a Pueblo Indian legend. Right. You talked about this a lot on the trip, too. We talked about it. Well, I was saying, I was like, oh, that reminds me of this 
story and you were like, oh, what is the story? So I told you, which essentially is a story about, it starts out by saying, the Lord of the sun sent the spark of life to earth and it entered the house of a young maiden and soon she gave birth to a young boy. And as the boy grew up, he began to play with the other kids. They started making fun of him saying like, where's your father? You don't have a father. And he asks his mom about it. She doesn't have an answer for him. And he says, I have to go on a journey to find my father. So he goes to all these places. He goes to like the corn planter and the pot maker and none of them help him until he gets to the arrow maker who notices something about him. And then the arrow maker said he could help him. And then the boy became an arrow and the arrow maker shot him to the house of the sun. Mm -hmm. And when he got there, he said, father, I am your son. And he said, if you're my son, then you must pass through these four kivas as challenges. Mm. And there was the kiva of bees, the kiva of snakes, the kiva of lions, and then finally the kiva of lightning. And he conquered all of them. And then he was infused with the power of the Lord of the sun and sent back to the earth. And they celebrated with the dance of life. Interesting. So that's the story. I love that story. Yeah. And I told you about that story as we were driving. Yeah. After we were kind of like done at Puerco Pueblo, because it is interesting sight to see, yes, but it is also one that you can appreciate for the history of it and the landscape. And you don't need to spend, it's not something that there's a lot to explore. So after kind of seeing that, we get back in the car. And the next space we head to is Newspaper Rock. It is a boulder, which has a ton of petroglyphs on it. And it's very close um, to Puerco Pueblo. It's not a far drive at all. The way that you see the um, petroglyphs on Newspaper Rock is you look through a, what is that thing called? A spyglass? A spyglass. Well, the thing with the two eyes is it called a spyglass i mean it's it's not a spyglass it's a um, it's like the thing that's like on top of the empire state building to like look around finder i don't know sure one of those things yeah okay so it's that thing yeah and you and it's free you don't have to you don't they're like binoculars yeah and like that lets you look at things that are very up close. Uh, you can see them from a distance, but you can't see in great detail. You can't detail. see them in great detail yeah. because they are far off mm-hmm. from this like lookout point that mm-hmm. you're at. So we stop to look at that. Mm-hmm. And it's called Newspaper Rock because there's so many petroglyphs on this rock. And archaeologists, anthropologists, indigenous people today believe that there were so many different writers of these petroglyphs on this rock that it no longer tells a linear story. It has so many different things from migratory patterns to territory indicators to messages to oral histories to communications and they're all located right on this rock mm-hmm. like a newspaper yeah and so it's kind of hard to read yeah so i'm looking through the binoculars and after dusty telling me the story i'm like hey i think i think this petroglyph relates to the story that you just told me and you're like let me see I feel like it was that me move that meme move I'm gay <laughs> and you shoved me out of the way. You are like looking at it and you're like, "Oh my god." Right. This totally is because yeah. there is there's two things that we see on this petroglyph. One, what looks to be a person going somewhere, and then above them is an arrow, and on the arrow, the top part of the arrow 
looks like half of a sun bursting with rays. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no way it's not that story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. In that moment, I pulled up images from the published version of that story, the yeah. published book that is like the, the story that's used, used all yeah. very widely. Yeah. The way they drew the boy and all of the people in the story is that image from the petroglyph. Mm-hmm. Like that image of a person is what they used as the image of people throughout the story. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, you had like a nerd out. Oh, I think we both kind of had <laughs> a did. nerd out. Because I was like, oh my God, how amazing is it that we were able to like see know this story and see this and make that connection. Mm-hmm. And then you sang Journey to the Past. <laughs> From Anastasia. <laughs> Which I have never so, seen. So, <laughs> you've not? No, we've talked about this before. Oh. It, it's going to be a double feature. Anastasia and then Black Swan. <laughs> and then so many misery. other things. And then Misery. A triple right. feature. Triple feature. Right. But after we kind of like get to see this, and this is a worthwhile stop. Again, take a look for our episode on petroglyphs where we talk a little bit more about the petroglyphs here at Newspaper Rock and other spaces. If you are looking to delve a little bit more into the history of the indigenous people of the national parks, which is an important thing to do considering that these were once their lands and that this is now stolen land of these people, then you really should make a point to see the petroglyphs in any park that you're at. I do feel like it's an important part of knowing the people of that space a little bit better or getting to experience yeah. that history. There's no way to understand the land around us without also trying to understand the indigenous people that are here with us now mm-hmm. and were with us before. Mm-hmm. So after we do get a chance to look at newspaper rock we get ready for our next stop which is blue mesa and the blue forest at this point we're kind of at the point where all of the the stops that we're making are fairly close to one another so this next stop is not a far drive and this is where we get to do a trail and it's about a mile long trail when you pull up to the blue mesa you kind of pull up at the mesa top level you're sort of at the the top of what we'll call just like the cluster of mesas that is there. Right. Because that's essentially what it is. The thing about Painted Desert and Petrified Forest is the landscape changes so much in such a small area. Like this is a crazy landscape that's so different from yes. the Petrified floor- Forest. So different from even like Newspaper Rock or Puerco Pueblo, which mm-hmm. weren't that far away. Just down the road. Yeah, just down the road. It's sort of like drip castles that are very lumpy. Yes. Lumpy drip castles that aren't, that are like smoothed out at the top and not pointy. This trail that we were able to do, the Blue Forest Trail, we get out, we were like, okay, great, a trail. We're going to do it. At the beginning of it, there's a pretty steep decline. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. To say the least. Yes. And then it just sort of turns into hills from here. Mm -hmm. But like, we were walking and it was like silent for about 10 minutes. And finally I was like, this is a different planet. Yeah. This is a totally different place. Like this is unlike, like we had been to Bryce Canyon, which felt fully like a, like a totally different planet. Yes. There were these drip castle shapes all around that were like sand and white and tan and white and tan and, and, and like multicolored also like a blue too there was and, like a blue mm-hmm. undertint to everything hence and blue mesa was such a i remember walking around and going like well okay i did notice like there were some people there were 
a few people around. Yeah, it wasn't very crowded. I That's the one thing about the park in general. It felt like, for the most part, maybe it was just a day that we were there, but it seemed like this is a park that not a lot of people like gravitate towards necessarily, which if you're a hiker, I can understand why. But it is still a park that is incredibly breathtaking and so worth it to do. But I do feel like it was just quiet. It was such a quiet quiet. day. And there were people that we saw, but not a lot of people. We didn't interact with many people. No. I do remember on the Blue Forest Trail, there were people who went off the trail to sort of try and climb the, the drip castle features. And they didn't get very high because it's very steep. Right. I was like, I just don't feel like that's okay. Right. And the trail is so clear because it's like a paved macadam. Like yeah. it is a paved in, trail. In, yeah. Or a sidewalk like yeah. throughout. Sure. Um, for those of us who may not know what McCallum's Well, are. thank you for elaborating for in everyone time. in the audience. So yeah, I mean, and it is sort of just like a loop along our way. There are just pieces of petrified wood. So this is the first time that we're seeing petrified wood in the park. They aren't very big pieces. They almost look like if you were having a tree cut down and someone was cutting that tree into like pieces right. of the trunk, it was sort of like that. They weren't like the longest of pieces. There were a lot of signs at the beginning of the park when we entered about not taking anything. And a lot of what we read about was really about not removing any of the petrified wood from the space. Obviously, you're not supposed to take anything from a national park ever, but petrified forest has seen its fair share of theft and just things that have been taken that should not have been taken out. Rangers are totally within reason to stop you if they believe that you've picked anything up. They're allowed to search your They're car at any point in time. And your person. And it's not great if they find anything on you. Um, it's really not worth it to pick anything like this up um, in a national park. Even though the petrified wood is so bizarrely wild and cool and it just is crystalline and interesting mm-hmm. and so many different colors. But it's also uh, it's also a resource that should remain. Yeah. And it should remain there for several reasons, but mostly because it belongs there and also because future generations should have the same right to be able to see those things. That's right. And clearly this was such an issue for a time. I'm sure there was way more petrified wood that no longer exists in the park because... I'm sure theft was a large issue, which is why they're so strict about everything these days. Um, It was kind of nice to have this introduction of petrified wood on this stranger in a strange land kind of trail because I felt like it was such a wildly different experience to like walk this blue forest trail and then also start to see these pieces of petrified wood about and I remember seeing them and I didn't exactly know what they were I was like oh okay interesting I'm not totally clear on what that is yet and I would find out later and with that let's take our next break it's time for drag corner Thades and gentle them welcome to the stage booster shot god I love this drag name Mm -hmm. booster shot Okay, mm-hmm. right off the bat, to me, Booster Shot is a drag 
queen that is a child, but is like an insult comic. Like, I think it looks like a child. Okay. She looks like a kid, Mm -hmm. dresses like a kid, but her humor is so dark and so filthy and so (laughs) insulting. Right. And is very dry. Mm -hmm. Like, in the same way that, like, Aubrey Plaza is dry on Parks and Rec. Got it. Like, that kind of thing. Got it, got it, got it. But, like, pigtails and, you know, bright overalls. so sweet and innocent. Gotcha. But is just savage. (laughs) Totally savage. Great. Yeah, I think her merch is lollipops. Yeah. Or, like, throws lollipops out into the audience. Right. Or, or like, or she doesn't. Right. She does, so she wouldn't. But I'm right. like, maybe whoever is with her, her sidekick. Right. I do feel like, you know, you know, when we were kids and like candy cigarettes and candy lipstick were like a thing, I do feel like they would have like a candy syringe for her. It would be like just a throw um, a candy syringe out into the audience. Can I tell you? So, candy cigarettes mm-hmm. were always so weird to me because I was like, oh, they look. It's made to look like you could hold it like a cigarette, mm-hmm. but I'm like, but you don't eat cigarettes. Right. I just felt like those two things didn't like live in the same world. Also, how were we kids and that was still a thing that was allowed to be sold? Because I feel like that is just like ga- gaslighting you into being a cigarette smoker. Oh, I know. Like, oral fixation. How are you? Hello. But I always liked the candy lipstick. <laughs> what of a surprise. Of course you did. <laughs> What I a never had a candy surprise. lipstick. The closest thing I had to candy lipsticks were those what push pops. Yeah, which like I mean, don't put that on your lips because that's just sticky. No. What is her lip sync song? It could be. I mean, Candy Girl is obviously a, like an easy one um, to go to. She sings Baby Shark, <laughs> but does it <laughs> to death metal. Interesting. Okay, maybe that. Maybe. Yeah. I kissed a girl and I liked it. Feels fun for mm-hmm, her. Mm-hmm. What about- maybe something by Paramore. I mm. feel like that's like a voice mm-hmm. and a kind of like energy mm-hmm. that like works along with I, her. I also feel like a little Kylie Minogue, like mm-hmm. maybe just locomotion. <laughs> <laughs> God, we're such old queens. God, I love yeah. locomotion by mm-hmm, Kylie Minogue. Mm-hmm. Do you remember um, Kids Incorporated? She was on that. I do remember that show. And they were like at a, in a train yard and they sang that song. I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because you were a child of the 80s and the 90s. Yes, just of As course. I was. So yeah, I feel like... Also, you know, let's talk about her new album and how amazing it is. Yeah, things I need to get on. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I do feel like I, I, I love the, um, the direction you've taken Booster Shot in. And yeah. I, I think I think there's nothing more to say than Thades and gentle them, please welcome to the stage Booster Shot. So after we climb our way out of the trench that is Blue Mesa and the Blue Forest, we basically in exhaustion return to the car. This is a really beautiful hike, but that incline is something to deal with on the yeah, way back up. That was that was significant. That's like incline, like coming back up from the General Sherman. Oh Sequoia, yeah, I guess so. Because that was like, and there was one final hike that we had planned to do. And that was called Long Logs and the Agate House. Right. 
so this is a little bit more of a drive. This is closer to the exit, the southern exit of the park. The park itself is basically kind of nestled in between two major roads. Um, so we entered the north side, which was painted desert, and exited the south end, which was petrified forest. This is a really nice finale hike. It's probably the longest hike that you're going to experience while you're there. And we were basically able to park at the Rainbow Forest Museum and we crossed the street. We didn't have time to go into the Rainbow Forest. I feel like it was closed at that point or closed when we got back to the yeah. car or mm -hmm. we were kind of in a time crunch to, to dip out. So we had to kind of cut some corners here. And there's two ways to do this hike. One is to just do long logs, which is about 1.6 miles long, as I've referred to trails before as a balloon trail. That's where you have like the string of a balloon and then you a walk around the balloon which is a loop. right right um so that's the one way to the tr to do the trail the other way is to do just agate house which is about a mile out and a mile back which is basically almost a straight shot you bypass most of the the loop of the balloon but you do take some of it or you could do both if you're smart planners and <laughs> that is what we did we did both we started on the long logs trail and we went about three quarters of the way around the balloon. And then we joined up with the Agate House Trail. On this trail, there is petrified wood everywhere. Like it is just literally everywhere. Like on every, like it is like a giant open vast space and pieces of petrified wood are just scattered everywhere. But much larger than what we saw in yes. Blue Mesa and Blue Forest. Like, like long pieces. Prior to being here, one may encounter small pieces of petrified wood in gemstone shops or things like this. Mm -hmm. This is like, they're as large as suitcases and, you know, small cars and yeah. like, you know, the entires and things like this. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to admit here, this was during a time, this was our first National Parks trip. We did not have the show at this time. Right. I did not even know that I loved or was interested in public lands and natural space mm -hmm. like like I am now. Um, so I remember getting here going, oh, I had no idea what the petrified forest was going to be. Yeah. I thought it was a forest. And then I was like, oh, it's petrified wood. Oh, Okay. I think I, for some reason, was equating this with, like, a redwood forest mm. kind of experience. Gotcha. Uh, something I also haven't experienced. But perhaps something comparative that I can compare to is, like, a sequoia forest experience. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I was going, like, where's the forest? <laughs> oh. And then, as because I thought these were just rocks around us for a long time until finally, as I was reading placards, I'm like, oh, this is wood. This is wood that is now petrified wood and now looks like stone. Yeah. And that was all a surprise to me, an entire yeah, learning experience. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So yeah, there are a lot of large specimens and this is like a much long, like you do see bigger specimens here of this petrified wood, but there's also like kind of like tiny bits of petrified wood in just like everywhere. It's kind of like, this ubiquitous little like in the grit of the sand it's there so i can see why people are tempted to just like even be like well i could take this really really tiny pebble sized piece but sure. the point is like 
if don't. everybody did that, <laughs> then there would literally be no petrified wood. Right. Yeah. And also, but the point is, don't. And the point yeah. is, don't. Yeah. This was really the moment where they were talking about how, like, this wood was here during Pangaea. It had water flow through it then, which made it petrified now. And, like, this was here before, like, the the continents split apart. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a moment where I was like, I don't know that I've ever been this close to something that's actually that old. Like, that yeah. was here when that was happening. Right. Like, that to me was... Because I feel like Europe has preserved so much of their history for so long about, like, you can look at, like, a wall and go, like, this was built by the Greeks. This was added by the Romans. Mm-hmm. This was added by these people, right? But I feel like in America, because of American history and because of us trying to, like, either assimilate people or worse, get rid of people mm-hmm. or genocide, get rid of people. You can't often look at something and feel that it is any older than 1776. Right. When in reality, that's not the case. No. And I feel like that's where the NPS has a unique position in that it does preserve so much natural space. Yes. That does contain all of the artifacts and all of the natural things that were here long before politics or government ever entered this area of land. And so this was something that I was looking at going like, this is older than everything that has ever existed here. Yeah. Fully majestic, Mm -hmm. fully like a spiritual experience. Yes. That I had in that moment. Yes. It surrounded this part of the trail anyway is again a different landscape shift. This is more of like a grasslandy sort of landscape that you're walking through. Again, you're on a paved road for the most part. Um, I'm sorry, a paved trail. I believe the most of the balloon part of the Long Longs Trail though was gravelly. And I think it was the Agate House that was kind of fully paved um, on the way out. So like you kind of like... That three quarters of the way around on the long logs, I'm pretty sure was like more of a a gravelly trail, but long logs was paved. The agate house was still very much intact. It was the most intact of any of the homes or any of the dwellings that we saw when we were there. That's sort of the reason why people often walk out to it is that, you know, most of the four walls are still there. You can see where the ladder was to get inside and you can see the two or the different rooms. Right. You can actually look into them, but... That's only part of the reason. The other reason is that it's completely built of petrified wood. That's pretty incredible. Um, and it basically was a building material. They People used this as a building material. It is fascinating to see. And just to think about how did they... Ch- like, what did they do to chisel it apart? I mean, it is a very stable structure. And also, it is- petrified wood is so heavy. <laughs> I, it's part of the reason why I'm like, how did they get them into the air and yeah. how did they stay up like in the, you know, the roof part mm-hmm. so much? It's definitely like a very impressive sight to see and totally worth the walk all the way out. Definitely. And when I say all the way out, I mean the mile that you're walking out yeah. there. It's not yes. long and it is a pleasant, very pleasant sort of walk. Um, through this like sort of grassland where you can still see a lot of things in the distance. We're kind of like there in the later afternoon. It is sort of still early April at this point. So the sun is sort of dying in the sky. (laughs) And um, we're kind of, you know, 
we get a chance to like really spend basically it was just the two of us out at agate house and really explore that space and really kind of like get a sense of the space inside which was pretty big um right and then we are like okay well we still very much so have a long drive ahead of us we still need to like get to our new airbnb we need to like do some things and so um we sort of dip out at that point right and this is where we take the agate house trail all the way back we take the agate house trail all the way back and then we go along the other side of the balloon that we had not done what i remember about doing that is we got into a part where there was a placard that had a photo from like the 50s of this same area of land that had all this all these pieces of petrified wood on it and you could still see in the photograph like oh there's that piece of wood yeah. and there's that one and there's that one and there's that one yeah and then you could also see the ones that were no longer there yeah just goes to show you to just leave everything where it belongs leave it where it was so let's put these trails on the Karen Stone scale how about that trail along the rim at painted desert a two maybe yeah, I might, that's my son. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't anything that was a struggle. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was gravelly. Mostly flat. Mm-hmm. So a four out of 20 on the Karen Stone scale. Yes. What about our travels in the Blue Forest? I mean, my sense is like three or four only because of that decline that later becomes an incline yeah. at the entrance. I'm, I was going to say three. Um, Great. I'm going to say three. Great. So a six out of 20. Yeah. What about our Agate House and Long Logs Trail? I mean, one or two. Yeah, I would say two. I do think think that a lot of these trails are pretty accessible. Um, Things you could do with most of the family. Yes. Barring the difficult decline. Incline decline. Yeah. And now let's end this episode with some Jeopardy style trivia. All right. Who would like to start today? Why don't you start today? Great. Are you ready for my category? I am. I'm excited about this one. This one is called Processed Landforms. Great. In the same way that Petrified Forest is a landform that has experienced a process, Mm -hmm. in this category, you will need to name the landform Mm -hmm. and the scientific process it has undergone. Great. So are you ready? I am. I really wanted to write a category that was um, petrified, meaning like scared or frightened. I wanted to do like <laughs> like different things that meant scared or frightened and attach something to it. Oh, interesting. Like quaking aspen is actually a thing, but I was like, oh, are there other actual plants that yeah, exist like that scared something? Right. Or, right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No, these are all fake. Great. I've made them up. Beautiful. Okay. For 100. This peaked solid land formation, if it transformed to another state of matter where it might splash and flow. What is water mountain? No, what is liquefied mountain? Liquefied mountain. Okay. So it the, has to be a process. The first word got is it. always a process. Got it, got and it, it's a past a state tense. Change. It's a past tense verb. Okay. So it's liquefied mountain. Got it. Got cool. It. But yes, you got that right. Okay. For 200. This large open place for water, if all the water had become so cold and solid that the water molecules became highly structured and organized and almost as pretty as a chandelier. 
what is crystallized ocean. Yeah, I'll take that. I was thinking crystallized lake, but yes, a large area of water. Right, exactly. Perfect. For 300, this area between two mountains, if everything in it had gone through a transformation into mere lifeless remains and made rigidly antiquated. Well, valley is the word. That is right. What is... A lifeless remain. What is Death Valley? <laughs> no, what is um, Deadened Valley? <laughs> <laughs> what is Fossilized Valley? Fossilized Valley. Okay. Yeah. Great. Okay. It's only getting harder. I'm yeah, just letting you know. That's okay. Okay, for 400. This is the way it works. <clears throat> I'm not crying yet. This sharp drop-off of the side of a high elevation, mm-hmm. if all of the parts of it went through a hardening process... That included deposits of salts from the mineral shortened to CA on the periodic table. What is iodized cliff? Oh, no. CA isn't iodine. Well, what is CA on the periodic table? Uh, it's uh, calcium. Calcified cliff. What there you go. Cliff? A calcified cliff sedge. Right. Okay. And finally, for 500 and this is, is it a $500 cliff. This mass of rocks and sediment carried down and deposited by a glacier, if it went through a process of converting organic compounds into inorganic compounds through various decomposition processes. Oh, God, my brain. <laughs> That's an SAT question. Yeah. Um, what is... I don't know. I'm Gold just... star to anybody out there who gets this. What is a mineralized moraine? Wow. Great, but alliterative. (laughs) Alliterative. I know. Good for you. Well, that was that was lovely. Thank you. You're welcome. My category is called Blues Clues in honor of Blues (laughs) Mesa, Blue Mesa, and Blue Forest. Love. Okay. So I'm going to give you three clues, and you need to name the sometimes idiom, (laughs) sometimes just phraseology that has the word blue in it. Great. Great. Okay. Love. I'm here for 100. A show starring Tom Selleck about a family of police officers, reptilian plasma, Bruce Wayne, all relate to this classist idiom. What is blue collar? Not blue collar. Blue blood. That's correct. Okay, great. Okay. Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he was Batman. He was rich. He, but he's not a, is he a blue blood? Yeah, blue blood is a phrase for someone who's wealthy. Oh, but it also in the Tom Selleck police drama. But I because, only knew it as a police drama because blue, blue lives. Yeah, um, and also <laughs> well, lives can't be blue. Right. But yes. And did you? Ha- you know, I I like, saw as I the sputter out eye here. roll. Yeah. Right, of course. Um, and then also the reptilian plasma, blue. Okay, great. Got it. Um, ready for two hundred. Twice a month, a Belgium, or rarely are all terms that relate to this infrequent idiom. What is a blue moon? Correct. Very good. A Belgium? Like a Belgium moon? Belgium-style wheat ale. A (gasps) blue moon. Look at you go. I know. Wait, what was the first one? Twice a month. Yeah, and then the third one? Rarely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mechanic, plumber, or electrician fit the bill for this proletariat idiom is this blue collar that's correct okay great there you go for 400 yammer gab or yakety yak all relate to this breathless idiom 
What is like talked till I was blue in the face? Correct. Look at you. Oh. Ding, ding. That was a good clue. And for 500. Unsolved mysteries, Gone Girl, or Top of Lake would all be shows that ascribe to this blue idiom. My instinct is what is out of the blue. Because You're close, but it's not that. Because something unexpected happened. Yeah, I don't know. What is vanished into the blue? Oh, I don't know that I've ever heard that before. That's that's new. I learned something. Well, there you go. Great. And that was... Blue's Clues. Blue's Clues. Mm-hmm. God, I used to love that show. You love Steve. <laughs> <laughs> This has been Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast, and we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gazeatthenationalparks at gmail.com. And to learn more about the Painted Desert and the Petrified Forest and all the other parks mentioned on this show, visit our website, gazeatthenationalparks.com. That's gaze, G-A-Z-E. All original artwork featured on Instagram and on our website is by Michael Ryan. All original music is by Dave Seaman and performed by Dave Seaman, Mariella Klinger, and Sean Sklios. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode, that we were on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Ocean County, New Jersey. 